Good morning. My name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor of New Hope Church. Uh, we're a multicultural church, as you probably have just heard. And we like to say multicultural and not just multi-ethnic because we aren't just diverse in our appearance, but we really want different cultural expressions within the life and expressions of our church. So glad you could be here today with us. We're here to share the hope of Jesus, the hope of community, and the hope of new life. So I consider any drive that's longer than 45 minutes to be a road trip. Uh, some days that means going to Queens because traffic is really bad. So anything more than 45 minutes. And so I have a road trip playlist. Uh, I make sure that we have songs that my wife Jyoti likes, that my, uh, that my kids Brielle and Liam both like. And so without having them to say, Daddy, can you put this song or can we play this song? We just got the road playlist. We let it go. It's shuffled. Um, and so it's what we like to hear and sing while we are on our way somewhere. Today's psalm was written when David was in the wilderness. He was on the run. He was on the way waiting for deliverance. And this is a song that he sang and that others would sing after him in the wilderness. So we're in a series called the, uh, the Psalms of New York, where every week we explore a psalm that we think speaks to our experience here in New York City. And today, yes, we're in the concrete jungle, but we still nevertheless have our own wilderness experience. So this is going to be a psalm for the wilderness. When I say wilderness, I want you to think about a season of your life where you are waiting. Waiting for God to answer a prayer or rescue you deliver you and it's that 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 place in your life where maybe it's uncertainty and you're just longing for God to draw you out of that what is that for you what is that season that maybe you've experienced in the past and you can reflect on it and what you probably could have sang in that time or maybe you know there's going to be a wilderness in the future what can you sing in the midst of that or if you're presently experiencing it now some kind of suffering, you're waiting for deliverance, you're waiting for rescue. I want you to think about that. And I hope that you can add this psalm to your playlist. Two reasons why. The first, because it helps us find our true longing. That's the first. It helps us find our true longing. As I said, this was written by David while he was running for his life. There's disagreement on who was chasing him. If we, it was written when he was a king, which the last few verses seem to suggest that, verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God. If it's written while he's a king and he's on the run, it's likely that his son, Absalom, is trying to kill him and take his crown. You thought you had family problems. <laughs> Right? His son is trying to kill him and become the king. And if that's the case, he's writing this in a time when he is in a wilderness. He's not in, in the palace. He's on the run. And this is what he writes. And um, once again, this is a metaphor for us. right? When we talk about a wilderness... Like, you're probably going to go back to, like, an air-conditioned place, right, with a window unit or something, or at least a, a fan. But David's really in danger here. Like, I mean, he, the man's actually in a wilderness. The danger is real. 
It's a dry and weary land. And so we use it as a metaphor. And I hope that that all the more will give you encouragement that this is something that you can apply to your life right now. Let's pick up from verse 1. This is what he sings. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So David is with people around him. I'm sure if he's a king, he's with other soldiers who are there to defend him. And they all can see the practical challenges of the wilderness. But what we have here is that David sees more than just the danger. He's able to find something else. That is, he's able to locate his greater longing, which is for God. In fact, his surroundings become a metaphor for him. Right? Like, it becomes a metaphor for his truer or his deeper longing. It's like he looked around and he said, you know what? This reminds me of my soul without you, God. This dry and weary land, this parched land with no water, that's what I, my, what my real longing is, God. It's for you to satisfy me. And when I have you, it's like being satisfied with the best food. David is able, able to see more than just the danger. He's able to, to look at, at all the danger around and say, my real longing, my real thirst is for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in this dry and parched land. This psalm, therefore, reminds us that when we're in the wilderness, it's an opportunity to find our greater longing. A few years ago, I was at Sugar Hill Cafe just down the street. I feel like we're cheating on them just for being here in Cafe Latte, but Sugar Hill Cafe a few years ago. And um, as I'm there regularly, I, I saw someone and got to meet a person who was a nutritionist and, uh, and he was a... Um, what do you call it? Like a personal trainer, I guess. And we, we just started to have a conversation and I told him how... Um, that I don't get to drink, a, I, I don't think about drinking a lot of water. And he looked at me, he's like, yeah, you look like you need some water. And I'm like, do I look dehydrated? Like, what's, but I'll go six, seven hours just drinking coffee and not having any water. And it made me think about other things that I had read regarding our body's need for water. For example, that there are times when we mistake our craving for food when we, what we really need is water. Like, have you ever had someone like say that to you when you said like, oh man, I'm just so hungry and you're going to the, to the fridge and you're eating something or you're grabbing a snack and they're like, just drink more water. I know that's what this can feel like, right? You're in a wilderness. The danger is real in your life. You've got real uncertainty, real suffering. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What you really need is Jesus. It could sound like that, right? It's like someone telling you what you really need to be, to what you will really satisfy you in this moment is God. Because to use the metaphor again or the analogy once again, if you're 
thirsty, but you think you're hungry and you just keep stuffing your face with food, it can perpetuate the problem. So therefore, sometimes the wilderness uh, kind of weans us out of, uh, away from, uh, uh, I guess, weans us from the things that we think we need in order to survive so that we can locate what will truly satisfy us, what we really need. Right now, you think maybe the purpose of why you are where you are is just to get out of from where you are to the next thing that you're looking forward to. So if you're unemployed, I just need a job, right? Or if you're hoping for a new relationship, I just need to have to meet somebody in my life. Or I just need to be able to pay the bills. You think that the solution is to simply be out of the wilderness or out of the waiting. But what if all of that, while it's important, is to help you find your truer longing? What if the wilderness is intended to help us find that God satisfies us? In his book, On the Road with Augustine, James K. Smith writes about Augustine and how Augustine's experience, Augustine is, a, is a, one of the most influential church fathers or fathers of Christianity. And he goes, he looks at Augustine's life and he looks at how some of the things that we experience today, the 21st century, he experienced, Augustine experienced as well. And in one particular chapter, he explores Augustine's relationship with his father and our own longing for a father. K. Smith writes about this quest for a father and how this longing often informs other cravings and so much of what we do. He quotes, for example, Bruce Springsteen, who observed that the heart of rock and roll is one big scream saying, Daddy. Like, daddy, look at me. Like, most rock and rollers are just wanting the, are searching for a father to look for them and approve of them. It's all about finding your father. He, he quotes Thomas Wolfe, the author, who, who observed that the search for a father who's absent in our lives, maybe they're there, but they're just absent and we don't really have a relationship. They're always distracted. Who observed that this search makes us feel like exiles while we're at home and strangers wherever we go. So this is what Kay Smith writes. So many people on the road today are looking for their fathers. The road is life where you never find your father. Some have suggested this is the oldest story, the baseline narrative of the human condition. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life. I'm not saying that whatever wilderness you're going through, there's a direct line to your, your parents or your experience growing up with your father or mother, but have you ever had that experience where while you're longing, while you're waiting, searching for deliverance and rescue, you just had this moment where you said, I wish I just had somebody in my life that would tell me it's going to be okay. Or maybe you, you longed for the presence of someone who, who in the midst of that waiting saw you and know you and was going to be there with you to see you through. When you look around in the wilderness and maybe alongside the desire for success or for a job or for a relationship or for healing and deliverance, concurrently with that is this other longing that runs alongside it saying, I just, I need you, God. I need you to be with me. I need you to know that you love me, that you're for me, that you haven't forgotten me. What is your real thirst today? 
can you see not only the danger, but that you have another hunger that you've been created with that only God can satisfy? What if the goal is not to simply leave the wilderness, but to find your truer longing and therefore satisfaction in God there? I don't know what David's relationship with his dad was like. His dad's name was Jesse. We do know in 1 Samuel that, that when Samuel the prophet wanted to see his sons, that at least his dad didn't even think to call him out to be able to, to invite him with his other sons. We don't know what that relationship exactly was like. Um, um, but in this situation when he needs to be rescued and he surely wants to live, there's danger there. The wilderness had a way of clarifying for him what he really needed. Look at what he says. A man who's on the run, who wants to live and wants to survive. Verse 3. Because your love is better than life. Why don't you think about that? Somebody who's hanging on, wants to survive. That's the goal, right? I just want to survive. I want to make sure I live. And he's able to think about God and say, your love is better than survival. It's better than life. And whatever it can give me, you are better than that. So think about what you're longing for. What you think the other side is. What you think deliverance and coming to the other side will look like. Maybe in this season you can look to God and say you are better. The wilderness has a way of clarifying and redefining and helping me see that my true satisfaction is you. As a man on the run waiting for deliverance wanting to live he's able to sing this so the psalm in the wilderness helps us find our true longing and the second thing it helps us find home i hate waiting as much as you really waiting for an elevator waiting in traffic if you're on a plane and they tell you we're going to land in 20 minutes, but then you're going to JFK or LaGuardia and you're just in the air in a holding pattern for another 40 minutes. I hate that. Being stuck in a subway car for an hour. Anybody? Like just been stuck in a subway car. If you're claustrophobic, that's terrifying. Like I hate waiting. Like, but how do you find home in that kind of experience? Like, can you imagine being on a train and be like, okay, well, I'm just going to get comfortable here, right? Can you imagine like, Finding that experience? Well, the wilderness is a place of waiting and watching, but it doesn't mean that we can't find home. Again, let King David teach us something and surprise us here. Verse 6 through 8. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. It's this picture of rest. You can almost imagine him gazing at the stars at night, thinking about God and God's goodness and his power and his glory. It's this picture of Davidness, David meditating upon the power and glory of God, resting in the shadow of his wings, clinging to God, and not just a blanket at night, and knowing that in that moment, in the wilderness, God upholds him and clings to him as well. Right there, 
right here in the wilderness, imagine finding that kind of experience, finding home. Have you ever met someone in your life who could just fall asleep anywhere? Like, I got a cousin, I think, who could sleep standing up. And you're like, how do, how do you do that? Like, how do you just fall asleep anywhere? I read this psalm and that's my reaction. Like, how do you do that? How are you running for your life and be able to make a bed in the wilderness and know that God's love is better than life and think about God and be, warm yourself on the things that you know about God, His goodness, His love, His mercy, His kindness, His wisdom, His compassion for you and know that in that moment, while you cling to Him, God is upholding you. Now this can all seem really impractical. Because some of you are like, well, i got to survive. Let me say, this is just something that gets you through, but what at the end of the day, can this help me pay my bills? Can this put food on the table? I know it can seem impractical, but take it from Viktor Frankl, survivor of the Holocaust, author of the award-winning book, Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, he had this observation in a concentration camp he had this realization that helped him endure one of the worst evils and horrors of human history. I'll, I'll just read this small little portion here. I think I've read this to you before. But this was one of the things that he observed that helped him endure that. He wrote, I understood how a man who has nothing left in the world still may know bliss, be it only for a moment, in the contemplation of his beloved. Like, I've never experienced anything like that. But in the middle of it, if you read it for Viktor Frankl, it was his wife. That image of his beloved that got him through that suffering was just that, that, that picture of his wife that got him through. You've heard me say here before that if you go through life, you'll realize that there's anything that we can put there, if, there's, if, if it's anyone other than God, it does have the ability to fail us. Your husband, your wife, some relationship, if it's your career, if it's some other interest or hobby or ambition or pursuit, it can fail you. But for Frankel, it was his wife. It was the image of his wife that let him know bliss, contemplating, meditating upon that, that got him through one of the worst sufferings in human history. For David... It was God. What is it for you? And David's not the only one who could find home in the wilderness. In Psalm 90, Moses wrote Psalm 90. And if you're familiar with Moses' story, he lived in a palace, and then he went out to a place called Midian, and then he, he took the Israelites, and they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. When we were gathering a team as a church plant, we had about five locations in 2019, right? We were in the residential building of the, uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, the community room of a residential building. We were in the food pantry, the Emmaus house. And then uh, I think we were in a Catholic chapel that was going to fall apart on us at any moment. And then we went to uh, another place that they gave us. And then we were in the banquet hall. Moses wandered for 40 years. <laughs> And you know what he writes? And even though he never stepped foot on the land, he actually never got to enter the promised land. You know what he writes in Psalm 90? He begins by saying, Oh God, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. 
before ever we had been formed, before you made the earth or anything else, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I think about that where we are as a church, as we're looking for a place. To say, God, wherever we are, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. It's not just David, it's Moses. It's Jesus who didn't have a place to lay his head. And that is our heritage. Wherever you are in a wilderness experience, we have a cloud of witnesses who have gone before us that lets us know that we can still find a home there so long as we fix our gaze upon God. Meditate upon Him and His goodness in the watches of the night. When you're cold and you need to be warmed to let your mind recall who He is and how He is with you, upholding you as you cling to him. How do we do that? Like, How do we actually get there? It seems impossible. Is it possible for people in the middle of a wilderness to be at that kind of peace and rest, to sleep like a baby because God is with you? How do we do that today? Well, I'll tell you, what encourages me? Like, I don't know what's going to happen to me or to this church or to you. Like, I have no idea whether or not God will even give us the things that we're asking. But I know our feet will hit the ground. We'll always land on our feet, whatever that looks like. And what informs me of that, that whatever God does, that he will always do what's good, is Romans eight thirty two. If God didn't spare his own son, what good thing would he ever withhold from you? If he would give Jesus, what good thing would he ever withhold from you? When you know that Jesus was willing to go through the wilderness in Gethsemane or be in the Garden of Gethsemane, and to face the horrors of the cross and endure that for you and for me, we can be in the wilderness and warm ourselves with His love and meditate upon His goodness and find home and rest there. Because God, if He would not withhold His own Son, we know that whatever He wills, whether it's our deliverance or not, He will do what is best. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Can you continue to pray for deliverance? Yes. Can you play, pray for rescue? Yes. Can you look forward to it and long for it? Yes, please do. By all means, please seek rescue and deliverance. This is not one of those things where I'm going to give you three points on how you can get out of the wilderness. No. Just simply saying, add this psalm to the playlist. On your way. While you wait, you want to know what you can sing and what you can hear and what you can think about? Let it be Psalm 63. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the people that have gone before us where we can find encouragement in their stories that we're not alone. We're not the first to ever go through the dark night of the soul. We're not the first to find ourselves in a wilderness. 
sometimes wondering where you are, or if you've attempted to believe that maybe you've forgotten us. Thank you for your word where you remind us today of our greatest longing. And that even here while we wait, we can find home with you. Lord, I cannot give that to anybody here any more than I can give that to myself. So together with my brothers and sisters, we look to you and we ask that you would give us greater faith to behold your goodness and your power in Jesus Christ. And you would satisfy our souls today. In Christ's name.